Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 29. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Hector Marrero. And today we're actually going to try something a little bit different. It's somewhat of a current event topic, although by the time you all get this, it will be a recent event. We are recording this on February 2nd. I don't actually know when it will be released. But the story, which is the Microsoft HoloLens, is from an announcement Microsoft made on January 21st, and it made the news, and it's very interesting topic to discuss and I thought it would be something very interesting to discuss between Hector and myself because in many ways at least given preliminary conversations we've had our opinions on the HoloLens as a tool differ quite a bit so I thought it would be interesting to discuss so to let you all know how we're approaching this I sought Hector out to discuss this I gave him some articles that we both read separately we took our own notes which we have with us in the studio and we're going to just discuss, but we did not watch the video or read the articles together, so our opinions are conceived separate from one another. So, Hector, I think you should perhaps begin on some of your initial thoughts. Yeah, I wanted to explain to our audience that to clarify, this Microsoft HoloLens is similar to Google Glass, and it also has some similarities to the Oculus Rift, if you've heard of that. And the Oculus Rift is this recent creation, this invention that was made, I think within the past 10 or so years, Facebook bought it recently for some few billion dollars. And the Oculus Rift is a virtual reality device, which means that you put it on and you can't see anything until the screen turns on. And as you turn your head, it follows your head. Google Glass is an augmented reality device, which means that it adds on to what you're seeing with your actual eyes. Now, what's different about the Microsoft HoloLens is that over your eye, it is both virtual reality and augmented reality. So the first thing I watched was this one video. It's it's just, it's a demonstration video. The, the introductory or, video. It's about yeah. two minutes long. I'm going to include that in our episode on the site, so be sure to check that out. It's only two minutes. I think it's very much worth watching to sort of understand what we're talking about. And what did you think? Well, it's pretty interesting. And, you know, honestly, it's pretty cool. You get this, you know, you look at this house and you see that all the applications, basically the computer is a part of your house. Or rather, the HoloLens makes you see your house as the computer interface. So you'll have Skype on one wall. You'll have Minecraft on your table. So basically, your whole computer existence is integrated through walking through your house. But at the same time, it is pretty clear that so far these are just computer-generated graphics. And isn't quite one-to-one with how the Microsoft HoloLens will actually look. There is also a video that you did put out that was the demonstration video. Yeah, where I think there's a woman who's creating Mm -hmm. a type of drone or something. Yeah, she she created what they called a quadcopter. Um, Yeah, that's right. I have some notes from the live demonstration. This video will also be included on our episode that we put out. So some of the quotes that were given from the main presenter, he said, This is everything we need to step into the holographic landscape. All we need to create, all we need to consume, all we need to share are holographic experiences. And all of this, he said, can be done natively with no hard drives, no cameras, markers, or external wires, which is new because previous augmented reality devices, cameras and such that have tried to interact between the virtual and the real world using augmented reality have used some sort of marker to tell the camera basically 
what it's looking at and how to orient itself within the space. And I think it's interesting. One of the first thoughts I had was that this is going to change a lot of companies' product lines. I think it's going to be very detrimental in a lot of ways because currently there are companies that make computer monitors. And this experience effectively abolishes the need for a computer monitor. I think in many ways, if a holographic computer were just as functional as other computers, let's say you could somehow type with it and produce things to send to your printer, you don't need a monitor because it's over your eyes. It's sort of with you and you don't need to have this experience that is looking at a screen that you can't really interact with. And that was a big thing that they often stressed. Some of the developers that we saw in the live demonstration video talked about how great it was that previously technology hit this barrier where there's a screen and you're not really interacting with it. It's sort of separate from yourself. And I think in many ways that's not a horrible thing. Some of the ways they described it were very unnerving in the way that sort of technology is progressing. And I think you and I will definitely get to ideas of how uncomfortable it could be. But the developers were thrilled with the idea of getting into that world of technology physically in a way that you can sense in many ways. I think tactile is one sense that will never really fully make that transition. But seeing things as though they were there and sort of hearing them as though they're all around you, it was a very immersive experience that they all described. And branching off of how this is going to help businesses, there is an interesting statistic in one of the articles you sent out on a Fool.com article by Leo Sun. He says that research from KZM estimates that the VR market, that is the virtual reality market, worth nearly nothing today, will generate $2.3 billion in hardware and $2.8 billion in software revenue annually by 2018. Eon Reality forecasts that the augmented reality market, which consists of augmented reality apps on phones, tablets, and wearable devices, will be worth $600 million by 2018. So you're right, this is a growing business, and this is really, we're reaching this point in technology where it's wireless, it's a completely functional, small, wearable device that essentially creates the computer out of your home. Mm -hmm. And And it's pretty amazing. I agree. I think one very key thing there that I know a lot of people hearing this and even myself when I initially heard about it might have some reservations about the device and what social applications it might have or how it might affect social interaction. But what Hector said about it being in the home, I think, is crucial, that all of the demonstrations and videos and hypothetical scenarios that Microsoft has given thus far are all within confined spaces, either office workers using them within their offices and communicating long distance to help get project ideas out there and communicate more effectively, or people within the home watching Netflix on your wall when you project those images from the holographic lenses. But unlike Google Glass, which was an immediate comparison for a lot of articles that we read, it's not something that Microsoft expects people will bring out and about. In fact, I think it would be very difficult to use in a larger space because the computer does need time to recognize the physical boundaries of the room that you're in. And so I don't think it's going to be a public experience as much as a private one, which makes me a little bit more comfortable with it. I'm not fully on board in a lot of ways, but I do think a lot of the demonstrations they gave were very interesting. One that fascinated me, and I'd be curious to hear if one particularly excited you, one that made me just giddy in a lot of ways was seeing how someone made a 3D model in, I think it's Hollow Studio is the Mm -hmm. application, and someone made this 3D model using his hands and created this rocket ship or something, and he painted it in the Hollow Studio again, all holographic, and then sent that information to a 3D printer and printed an actual model rocket ship for his son who comes running into the room. And I just think that's fascinating. I always thought 3D printing was really interesting since it 
sort of emerged and became very popular, but the idea of making something and being able to sort of rotate it in front of you and then actually make that physical object to me was just really cool. But were there any really fascinating demonstrations that you saw? No, absolutely. I think when you mentioned the rocket ship, I think of the implications, for example, for architecture firms where Mm -hmm. you can literally create a house or a structure or even work off an existing structure and literally just use your hands as the keys. It's very exciting to see, especially with the implication that it can be printed out almost immediately after creation. I think that's pretty amazing. So, of course, it sounds like from many of the things that Hector and I are sharing, there's certain hype generated around it, both that he and I to some extent feel, but definitely in the journalistic community, there were a lot of interviews and moments where journalists had the opportunity to try these things out. And I think one of my initial reservations when hearing about this was that it wouldn't live up to the hype because very frequently companies, especially technology companies, have promised or given their word that something's going to be amazing and it doesn't quite hit that mark. But plenty of journalists said that it was amazing. Brian Blau, Research Director of Consumer Technology and Markets at Gartner, said, out of all the head-mounted displays that I've tried in the past couple of decades, the HoloLens was the best in its class. There's a lot of promise for this kind of technology. It's odd to think about in terms of wearing such an intimate device, but it can provide a lot of very rich information. And I think that that was really interesting. A lot of similar articles said similar things and had really, really great things to say about it. In fact, Bill Gates, who was the original founder of Microsoft, said, the HoloLens is pretty amazing. Microsoft has put a lot into the chips and the software. It is the start of virtual reality. Making the device so you don't get dizzy or nauseous is really hard. The speed of the alignment has to be super, super fast. It will take a few years of software applications being built to realize the full promise of this. And I think that in many ways it's interesting. Obviously, we are at the forefront of something, you know, historically the first cars, the first computers, the first planes were interesting, but people developed on those technologies, and I think this is something as well that's going to continue to be developed upon. Also to listeners, there's no immediate window of launching. I'm guessing it will come out at some point in 2016, but I don't know that that's true. Microsoft said, quote, within the Windows 10 timeframe, and Windows 10 is their newest operating system coming out this year, 2015. So sometime in that quote-unquote time frame we will see the hololens being produced for what i presume is the consumer market i wanted to ask you kip in the new york times article there is an interesting point that david carr makes he talks about obama being a master of all the social media outlets and he was the first president to really take advantage of the whole social media platform to elevate and expand on his image but david carl makes a quip and says that perhaps this was hiding the fact that President Obama wasn't doing such a great job in office. But he, at the end of that paragraph, says, what matters more? And this is what I want to ask you, Kip. What matters more, the experience or the media representation of it? And I think the implications of this is if you are wearing this device, or rather, I'm going to take that to a news story I remember reading recently about this man who I think was related to the military was using Google Glass for some time and even after only using it for a few months he after having the Google Glass removed had this addiction where he was constantly seeking out to press this Google Glass button or he was looking for the functionality of the Google Glass the augmented part of this reality and he he was seeking it out and he had to go to therapy because of this affliction that he had 
So I do wonder, what does matter? Sure, this technology is incredible. We are in this whirlwind of new technologies from the past hundred or so years, from planes to cars to computers that are getting smaller and smaller. But perhaps can this be a distraction from the reality around us, as we see in examples like this man with the Google Glass addiction and maybe other factors as well, or rather other cases as well? Well, I think your question about experiences versus the medium that represents the experience is a very important one. And I think we've had similar discussions about technology before, so our audience is probably familiar with our stance on it, or perhaps our individual stance is. But personally, I think the experience is the most authentic and important thing. I think humanity is often obsessed with recording and with being social. And I think that those two things sort of blend here and that you want to capture that moment, that thing that you're doing, and share it with others. I want to clarify, you said humanity is obsessed with recording and being social. Being social. Do you think that is for all humanity or for perhaps Western culture? That's a good question. I guess I could really only talk on some level of expertise about Western culture, but even this podcast that people are listening to right now is an example of us recording a conversation that we're having, which I think is important on its own level and being social. We want to share it with other people as we continue to say we'd like it to be a conversation among because I think those are sort of human wands. And I say human and not just Western because I think all societies have recorded their histories and individuals have recorded their own thoughts and feelings on a variety of subjects for as long as I can remember. And social because all around the world people live in communities and share experiences together. And I think that technology has tried to combine those two desires in a lot of ways that When you go to a party, people take pictures of that party and tag people on Facebook. And so it's an attempt to record those social experiences and try and preserve them. But I don't think it's ever going to be as real as the initial experience itself. I think you could record a video of someone falling in love, but the chemicals and the moment that that person felt can't be captured really in technology. And so I think that's part of what this phenomenon that I think the HoloLens is a part of represents. And I'd like to say, going back to David Carr, again, of that New York Times article, he refers to a show called Black Mirror. And he says, the show came to mind when I watched a video demonstration of Microsoft's HoloLens, because as screens have proliferated, the amount of actual unencumbered reality we experience seems endangered. That show is a satire that is built not on laughs, but on a deep melancholy. In one episode, the prime minister is forced by purported terrorists to perform an unspeakable act while the entire public stares. In another, a man's suspicions about his wife are on vivid display because nothing is ever secret anymore. In one of the more heartrending episodes, a woman can't resist reconstructing and tragically falling for an avatar of her deceased partner. And so I just, I think that those are all very, very wise things to have thought of when looking at the HoloLens because it's a lot about what we think we can manipulate and how real those manipulations become. So it's interesting. I personally think, though, a medium almost never fully captures an experience. I think the medium itself becomes interesting as a representation, but I think that we as people should be aware that, you know, a painting of someone is not that person. It's an artist's impression and, you know, his or her best ability to represent through paint or whatever medium that individual who's being made a portrait. I wanted to bring up this one quote, and I want to, from this, talk about maybe money and how this might be a technology that is limited to a certain audience or perhaps if this will become a technology that will be available to a wide swath of consumers. 
Donald Glover, who is this online comedian, he's expanded from comedy into a show called Community, and now he's also a rapper called Childish Gambino. He was on a radio show and did a freestyle rap, and one of the lines that stuck with me is, we don't take pictures. When you're rich, you just see it again. In the rap, he also talks about money making the world go round, or you know, what have you, the, the same line you've heard over and over mm-hmm. again. And I wonder if the implications of technology like this is making the entertainment or rather the virtual reality or the augmented reality, or rather the combination of those two, so real that you never have to leave your house or your location because you can experience everything within a small piece of land or whatever. And then there are others who create the technology and who are aware of how the technology works and are relied upon to create the newer technology who then get to experience the reality of life. Now, this is me projecting a possible future. And I've watched Black Mirror, at least the first season, and Mm -hmm. I want to recommend it to our audience. It's a really fascinating, thought-provoking show. I'd recommend it to you, Kip, Mm -hmm. as well, if you haven't seen it. But yeah, what do you think about that? Do you think that technology like this does have the ability to further separate literally classes of people making certain people who are the technology makers richer and those who are the consumers more dependent and then in some way weaker? Yes, in a sense, I do think that's possible. I know there's also the rising wealth gap between the rich and the poor these days, and I think that's a global problem or epidemic or however you want to describe it, but it's definitely not great when some people seem to have less and less of the actual share of the economic wealth out there. Something like 80 people, the richest 80 people we recently learned have more than 50% or about 50% of the world's wealth. That's right. Something like that, which is troubling, but that's not necessarily central to this discussion. I do think technology allows the rich to experience life in a different way and often as was shown in these video demonstrations technology can be used to economic ends people can use the hololens for example to work on a 3d design for the motor of a motorcycle and that was shown in the video and those people are making money because that's their job and they're designing something the technology streamlines that process and maybe that person can design not only the motorcycle engine but the chassis and the wheels and get a lot more done in one day they might make more money as a result because they have time for more projects and et cetera, et cetera. So I think in a way it can divide us. But at the end of the day, in a very ironic way, I think the poor, or at least those who can't afford these technologies, are not deprived of their eyes, their ears, you know, and the other senses that they have. They can still experience life in a real way. And maybe in some way, those of us that would be using the HoloLens or other similar technologies are sitting at home, leaving the rest of the world vacant for these other people to explore and experience. So as long as the two don't clash, as long as the wealthy don't abuse what I think would be technological power that they do have or are gradually gaining over time, I think there is an interesting coexistence that could happen with those who don't have that technology still experiencing life in the same way. And I think perhaps the wealthy are experiencing representations of that life. Although frankly, ideally, I think we'd all be experiencing life together. I think that's what makes humanity great is that we collaborate, we work with one another, and we also understand, at least to the best of our ability, what others are going through because we all share the same environments and have the same experiences or try to. And I think that this HoloLens sounds like in many ways it might hinder that, but it also might create a new space in which we're all interacting in a virtual reality. And I don't think 
that has to be a bad thing. I think it certainly has the potential, but I also don't think that you and I are the only ones who are worried about something like this. I suspect there are other people who have similar concerns and want to make sure that it's dealt with properly. One question I have for you, though, as new technologies emerge and have emerged historically, new laws and rules have been set up to account for those things. At least as far as I've observed, systems of regulation never quite keep up with emerging technologies. You know, Facebook comes first, and then teachers respond to cyberbullying. Cell phones emerge, and then rules are made to, you know, put your phone away in class or other important behavior to keep people in line. Similarly, my question to you would be, do you think people could or will police things like the HoloLens and all the dangerous potential that there could be? Or do you think it will take a while to catch up to it when it actually does reach consumer markets? That's a good question. I think when it comes to technology such as this, we have already seen examples with Google Glass in recent years where people had concern about the photo option Mm -hmm. on the Google Glass. Mm -hmm. It was disconcerting to know that somebody could be wearing a pair of glasses and using a very vague gesture, a very quiet gesture, could take a photograph of you. I think people felt very uncomfortable with that. I think with technology like this, I think certain places would ask for people not to wear this headgear. Mm -hmm. I also see this kind of technology only getting better. Microsoft is a big company, and in the New York Times article, he's talking about what's interesting about this whole technology is that Microsoft is an a legacy company, as you call it. It's one of the first big computer companies to exist. So they have the funding to continue optimizing this technology. So I'm guessing it's only going to get smaller and smaller and more and more subtle. So at one point, if we as citizens desire to continue using virtual reality and augmented reality, or rather plunge in and go for it, I think that this technology would only get smaller and become a more subtle part of our lives. And then policing will have to occur from the company itself, I'm assuming. I'm not really sure. As I try to answer this question, I find it that it's almost it's quite difficult to predict how this technology will adversely affect people or how it will disturb people in such a way that they will ask for some sort of restraint on it. Because I see it as progressing at manic speed and only getting better and more efficient. And this may be uncomfortable for a certain group of people, I think. Now, on one of the articles you sent me, it was on The Verge, and it was by Chris Plant. Mm -hmm. He spoke about, I think it was just straight up, it was a list. Seven feature uses for Microsoft HoloLens. And then he continues, that will make someone disgustingly rich, Mm -hmm. which kind of makes me a little grossed out. Did you see anything interesting in that article? I remember they spoke about one interesting idea was using it in Disneyland Mm -hmm. to actually make it that there are these animated avatars of Mickey Mouse or other characters which are harder to represent using humans in costumes, being everywhere in the park, or even using Mm -hmm. virtual parades, which I think is pretty fascinating. Yeah, I really enjoy that article. I think it didn't take itself quite so seriously as some of the other articles did, but I still think it was very interesting. The Disney World example, I think, was a very fascinating one, especially because I don't think it would hurt the park necessarily. In fact, I think there would still be, as the author Chris Plant said, people in costumes because kids always want to, you know, get pictures and get hugs with some of these characters that they know from their childhood. But I think it could add to that. He also gives other examples like physics-defying fashion, which I think is an interesting one because it would require other people to be wearing the HoloLens in order to see what you've decorated yourself with. Maybe you have virtual necklaces or other jewelry that you're sort of 
adorning yourself with, but it wouldn't be real. So it would require other people to be wearing the HoloLens. But he gives other very interesting examples that I think one user could do, such as the floor being lava and sort of playing around with the idea that inside of your house you've altered one of the surfaces, at least based on appearance, and that you have to sort of avoid it and sort of play pretend with that thing because it's visually very real. He also brings up the idea of interior design being unique for each guest. You could make certain posters on your wall that only you see when you're wearing your HoloLens and when mom and dad come over for a visit, suddenly it's a lot more quaint and well put together and I just think that's fascinating. I'm just going to go back to the floor is lava point because I, I read that point and I was just a little concerned about the last sentence of that section because he ends up by saying, look, I'll be the first to say this list is full of billion dollar ideas, but none are as important as this one, that is making the floor lava. You hear me, Microsoft. I want imagination injected into adulthood. It disturbed me because it gives, or in this article, and I know it's supposed to be a bit of a joke, he is also, you know, with every joke, there's a, a gram of truth to it. He's suggesting that we allow a corporation, a large company, to be the creators of imagination right. and to essentially be the ones who form our thoughts for us. Because if imagination is not available in adulthood and we're reliant on some other company to do that for us, then probably our whole thought process would also be... Yeah, in jeopardy. In jeopardy, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So as we begin to conclude the episode, Hector, do you have any final thoughts on the HoloLens? I think that the Microsoft HoloLens has an opportunity to be a great, great educational tool, not just for kids. In fact, I would think that for older people, adults and young adults, I think it would be a great way to make education more exciting, be it in augmenting a room and having little augmented words that say, this is what this is. This is made out of this kind of wood or this kind of material. This is how this thing is made and perhaps a link to a YouTube video. I think that the Microsoft HoloLens does have great educational potential. At the same time, I think that we have to approach this kind of technology with both interest and also caution. We as humans and humanity and society need to think about how we're gonna allow these technologies to infiltrate our lives and how we're gonna balance our own reality with this virtual reality. Because I do see a danger in putting all your eggs in one basket and literally allowing a company to think for you and make all your decisions for you. And I just think that we are at a point where we can think about this and discuss it and I think it's important that we are aware of what this technology can do. I concur with everything you said. And to our audience, I'd be curious, we'd be curious rather, to hear what you all think. Would you buy the HoloLens? Would you share it with your family? If you have children of your own and you're an older listener, would you get this for your children or consider having them use it? And of course, into the future, perhaps we should all consider what it might look like 50 years from now, long after something like this has been released and amended and changed and improved over time as Hector and I have discussed and I'm really glad that we had this conversation but of course we do want to hear from you all we want this to be a conversation among not simply a conversation between so please reach out to us on Twitter at stride and saunter our Facebook account is stride and saunter you can reach us on gmail stride and saunter at gmail.com or please check out our website stride and saunter.com and as always we thank you for listening and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And this is Hector Marrero. 
the future is going to cost more money.